0: the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Where the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Okay, today we discuss critical race theory, its origins, and its ambiguity. But first, a word from our sponsor. Midwest Glass & Mirror is a full-service glass and mirror company. Located in Stevensville, Michigan, this company serves both residential and commercial customers in southwest Michigan and Indiana. In business for over 30 years, they are the glass and mirror industry leader and are trusted by homeowners, property managers, and commercial clients. Their mission is to exceed your expectations by delivering top-notch professionalism, integrity, and craftsmanship. I know one of the partners personally, and I can assure you he is a man of faith, a patriot, loves God and country. He is a great example of American small business success due to hard work and an expert craft. Call 269-428-4464 or visit MidwestGlass.com today and ask how they can help you. Again, that's MidwestGlass.com or call 269-428-4464. Make sure you tell them that you are a kingdom patriot. All right, let's jump into critical race theory. This, this theory is a political buzzword that progressive liberals tout as really, I would say, the philosophical panacea, but conservatives argue uh, against this as the next great evil. But often, it's never really explained. So I want you to know, we're going to dive into that a little bit. It is incredibly complicated. I think it's highly ambiguous. But hopefully, you'll have a better understanding as we talk through some of the aspects of it. And if you Google this, you'll find plenty of sources on Wikipedia and other places. I do want you to know that I spent some time reviewing a white paper with the Heritage Foundation. They've got a lot of good resources on critical race theory and what it is and really what its origins are. It's also helpful to understand that some of the founders or I guess, people who are credited with being founders of critical race theory it goes back into the 60s and 70s. And you'll hear these names, Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, Richard Delgado. Uh, there's, there's a few others, Cheryl Harris, Charles Lawrence III, Mary Matsuda, Patricia Williams. Even though critical race theory can trace its origins to the 60s and 70s, in reality, the grandparent to critical race theory is actually critical theory, which was aimed at the demolition of Western traditions and norms. And this was really a theory that was born out of the 1800s that was championed by Marx and Engels that sought to label workers as the oppressed and the owners as the oppressors. But this theory by the 1930s had clearly shown that the revolution that Marx and Engels had desired was not occurring, that the workers were not trying to overthrow the power structures, Mainly because the belief system of the ruling class, such as the family, the nation state, the capitalist system, even God, was being, was being bought, if you will, or was being absorbed, was being embraced by the workers, by the oppressed class. But make no mistake, the origins of this movement were grounded in Marxism and socialism, even communism, and the idea that we have to create evolution. And recently I even read a book uh, about Mao Zong. And the Chinese Communist Party, who sought to completely revolutionize the Chinese culture, and it's really eerie just to even read some of these ideas on critical race theory, how close it ties to many of the things that Mao tried to do in China to get the working class to rebel against those that were deemed as the oppressors. This really morphed into critical legal theory or critical legal studies, in which this same lens of oppression was now applied through the legal framework. And this legal framework meant that much of the oppression occurred through the laws themselves, and it wasn't so much individuals as it was the system, and that the system self-perpetuated this kind of oppression. And eventually that led to critical race theory. And why that is important is because critical race theory actually does the same thing, but it takes the legal aspect out of it and makes it into a racial argument. So now it's not that the law benefits those who oppress, it's that the law is white-based and was developed by white supremacy and only benefits white supremacy and therefore is used as a tool of oppression, not against the workers, if you will, or just the oppressed, but the oppressed who are black or the oppressed who are of color. And then from there, you can see how it has permeated almost every aspect of our society. What at first began as an academic study, then crept into the courtroom, it crept into the political discussion, it's at the universities, but now it's being touted, even demanded in some cases, in corporate America. How many of you work for organizations who have made diversity, equity, and inclusion or unconscious bias training a condition of employment? And one of the frustrating things, it appears to me, in reading some of these different articles is that critical race theory seems to rely on social constructs. In other words, we are going to actually heighten race to the discussion, and we're going to elevate storytelling and examples of where oppression may have occurred over evidence and reason. Because concepts of truth and merit are completely opposed to liberalism, and they have no place in this conversation. In fact, I really like how the Heritage Foundation describes this. Quote, critical race theory's key assertion is that racism is not the result of individual conscious racist actions or thoughts. Racism is systematic and structural. It is embedded in America's legal system, institutions, and free enterprise system, and imposes whiteness as the social norm. The system, including capitalism, is rigged to reward white behavior and preserve white supremacy. Curricula and training sessions that teach that racism is systemic and structural and demand that Americans work to dismantle laws, traditions, norms, institutions, and free market enterprise. The entire American system itself, they are all part of critical race theory. So this is something I really want you to understand that is very key to this. Remember, the roots of this go back to Karl Marx. And Karl Marx was all about cultural revolution. So if you assign racism, because it absolutely exists in America, I want to be clear about that. I'm not denying that racism occurs. But if you can assign that the cause of racism is not because of individual bad behaviors or people who are sinners, but it's rather caused and embedded by systems, then you give credence to the idea of overthrowing that system. However, if you say that individuals are responsible for their behavior, individuals are responsible to love their neighbors, if individuals are responsible to not act in a racist manner, yet they do so and try to hold them accountable, that's still not licensed to overthrow an entire culture. And that's why it is so important. That is why this framework is so important to this movement. It must, in all circumstances, completely assign blame, not to individuals, not to people who do not behave in an appropriate way, but to the system itself, because you can't overthrow an individual, but you can overthrow a system. You can't have a revolution of a single or multiple bad actors who don't behave appropriately, but you can do cultural revolution when it comes to a system and dismantle the entire structure. So how is that framework actually achieved? Well, this is also equally important because you hear all kinds of conversations around equity. And equity sounds like equality, but under critical race theory, it's very important to see the difference. Those who subscribe to a Marxist theory and desire cultural revolution completely reject individualism. And what, this is why this is very, very important to understand constitutionally why we should reject critical race theory. Our constitution, really not our constitution, our Declaration of Independence, was the found, which was the founding basis of our constitution, says that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator, with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is very, very important because liberty is a key tenet of the American culture. It's a very key tenet of our Constitution, and that is the idea of individual liberty. But that liberty is based on, again, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. It's based on the idea that you have the right to self-determination, and you have the right to pursue your course of life, so long as it does not violate the rights of others. And why that is meaningful? Because our company affords opportunities to Americans. And I do believe that in America, we should provide equal opportunity. People should have the right to self-determine the course of their lives based on their belief system, based on their faith in God, so long as it does not violate the rights of others. However, critical race theory focuses on outcomes. Very, very different. It's not about equal opportunity. It's about equal outcomes. And anytime that we can find any kind of disparity in the outcome, then we can claim that the, the system is rigged, that the system is built towards the power structures of those who are in power that lord it over the ones who are not, which is really a whole nother issue. But as you start to see decisions made politically, in order to address what is deemed as unequal outcomes, you in effect are enacting racism. That's one of the great faux pas, one of the great ironies of critical race theory is that it's so focused on race that it is looking at outcomes, that it is passing laws or desirous of passing laws to produce different outcomes that are not disparate in the eyes of the critical race theorist. But in effect, by making those decisions based on race and looking at the outcomes on particular races, you are in effect using race as a sole basis of decision, which really, if you go back to the Civil Rights Act, the whole idea of a law being declared unconstitutional is because it was made with racial intent. And I wanna take a moment just to illustrate what the true goal of critical race theory is. It is to create social revolution. It is not truly about bettering the lives of minorities. And I'm gonna give you a perfect example of this. When is the last time you heard critical race theory going after abortion? That is something I've never heard. yet. Yeah, and some of this data is a little bit old, you know, five, 10, 15 years old, but I wanna share, share with you. Approximately 13 to 14% of the US population is African American. So if we truly were focused on equal outcomes, then when we look at the abortion issue, we would assume that abortions also are approximately 13 to 14 percent African-American. But that is not true. 37 to 39 percent of all abortions are from African-American women, three times the rate of whites. Now, let me ask you, is that a disparate outcome? Of course it is. But do you hear critical race theory attacking that and saying, we need to solve this problem to save the lives of black children? Absolutely not. I also would be remiss if I didn't talk about the solution. So I want to take a few moments to share some of my heart because we can talk about critical race theory. I don't think there's any doubt that it has its roots in Marxism and socialism and desires to completely reconstruct the American culture and its liking. But at the end of the day, I don't believe that's the solution. Of course, racism exists in our country. There are people who are racist, and I'm sure that there is inherent bias that we have based on how we've grown up, what our families are like, whether or not our parents or relatives or friends were racist, all of those do impact. But to say that individuals are not responsible and our entire social construct is embedded racism because of the structures we have in place and that that's really the cause without individual responsibility is just a lie. So again, there's a little bit of a digression, but I want to share what I think the solution is because I don't want to sit here and debate Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, or all these different political agendas with CRT. I just want to talk about what we can do, but I can tell you what it's not. It's not a new standard of education. It's not new legislation. It's not to overfund, underfund, or defund the police or law enforcement or even make remedies for past generational sins. Every man-made decision, every man-made solution is going to ultimately create a system in which we have winners, losers, and a great amount of effort and cost will be felt. But in the end, we'll have a lot more debt. We've hit, we'll have made very little headway. And why do you think that is? Well, it's because it's not really a legal issue or a civil rights issue. It appears to be on the surface, but pure and simple, it's a hard issue. Unless we focus on Christ, man-made solutions will always fail. In fact, I propose that if we pursue Christ with an honest and humble heart, and we live according to his heart, that it'll be incompatible to live in a way that's racist. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't push back against critical race theory, or push back against racism, but what I am saying is, if we all just follow two simple principles that Jesus taught us, we would see incredible change. The first is to love your neighbor as yourself, and the second is to treat others more important than yourself. If we were to follow those two principles, it is impossible to, to not live in a way that embraces each other rather than to divide. But that requires us to press into Christ, and to do that requires humility. And that trait seems to be woefully absent in our current culture. Could it be that the, the environment that we're in with Black Lives Matter and critical race theory and COVID and all the these going on is actually a tool that's being used by God to call us to humility? Everyone loves to quote Second Chronicles 7.14 about God healing our land, but most fail to read the preceding verse, which God clearly intervenes to challenge us to humility repentance, and dependence on Him. So let me read that verse in context. Second Chronicles 7, 13-14. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land." I share that with you because man-made solutions are really not a solution at all. I think this verse shows us this pattern and path. God orchestrates or uses difficult circumstances so that we will walk in humility, that we will pray to Him, that we will seek His face, that we will repent and turn from our wicked ways. That's when the Lord will hear us. That's when He'll forgive our sin and bring healing. Let's turn to the Lord, not to man, in order to heal our land. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And special thanks to our sponsor, Midwest Glass. To schedule an appointment today, call 269-428-4464 or visit MidwestGlass.com. Don't forget to visit our website at KingdomPatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's KingdomPatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.